This is the tail end of our summer series on redemptive relationships that began with Pastor Jerry on the topic of marriage. It was followed by Pastor Charlie and Lissette where they communicated the biblical view of singleness. Pastor Mark took us through a quick tour of church history and the need for the church to be restored. Jay Jarman engaged us on the topic of how to encourage kids. And last week, Pastor Nofo and Pastor Marie gave us a crash course on how to raise great teenagers with their own children, Michael and Kehlani, as great examples of how those principles worked well in their family. Well, I get to run this leg of the relay with the topic, Recovering from Divorce. And I'm going to start by asking my wife, Lydia, to read the passage from Matthew 19, which is in your bulletin, so if you would follow along with her, uh, that I'll be using to launch my message with. And I've asked her to do this for two reasons. One is, although we've been married for over 32 years, lots of people don't know we're married because we're rarely ever together on a Sunday. And so I wanted to prove, yes, I am married, and this is my wife, okay? Uh, but second is before I met her, she experienced a devastating divorce that turned her world upside down And after, after being married for five years and has experienced for herself the arduous journey of recovering from that trauma. So Lydia, would you read? You can follow along with me. This is from Matthew 19, verses 3 to 11. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied? They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away? They asked. Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts, but it was not what God had originally intended. And I tell you this. Whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery, unless his wife has been unfaithful. Jesus' disciples then said to him, If this is the case, it is better not to marry. Not everyone can accept this statement, Jesus said. Only those whom God helps. Thank you. Yeah. Well, let me start with a few disclaimers. As important as they are, I will not be addressing the theology of marriage or the challenging boundaries of divorce that Jesus confronts the Pharisees with in this passage. I also won't be addressing the important issues of how divorce affects children, co-parenting issues, finances, in-laws, or legal complexities. These are critical issues that some of you or someone close to you are having to wrestle with. If you are in that season, our hearts really do go out to you. Please consider connecting with one of your pastors, and we will do whatever we can to help. Along with studying the scriptures, I interviewed couples who recovered from 
the trauma of divorce and who are happily married today to see how the scriptures apply in real life. I want to thank these couples for their willingness to share their stories of recovery and redemption. With the limited time that I've had, I've chosen to address redemptive relationships and recovery from divorce from the core issue of overcoming a hard heart. Look at that passage in Matthew 19 in your bulletin and circle verse 8 where Jesus says, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts, but it was not what God had originally intended. Jesus was saying two things in this passage. One, the root cause of divorce is a hard heart. If we can learn what contributes to a hard heart, we can learn better how to help people both prevent and recover from divorce. Statistically, 40 to 50% of first marriages end in divorce. 60% of second marriages typically end in divorce. And on the average, 70% of third marriages end in divorce. These are sobering statistics considering the fact that most people get married thinking it will be wonderful and forever. Isn't that true? Jesus was also saying that divorce was not God's plan A, but was allowed as a concession because of the abuses that often result from a hard heart. I also recognize that in a divorce, there is a dumper and a dumpy. And each experience a different set of emotional issues. But I believe these principles apply to both. There's an outline in your bulletin. You can follow along uh, with the message from the outline. But let me just jump in by saying, recovering from divorce well involves keeping your heart soft by forgiving your spouse. Divorce is a betrayal of the promises that are made at a wedding, that you will forsake all others for me alone, that you will be a faithful husband, a faithful wife, until death separates us. Betrayal is one of the most painful experiences in life, one that can make our hearts hard and distrustful. The last thing a betrayed person wants to do is to forgive the betrayer. Jesus said in Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15, I think there's a slide coming up for that. If, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's a pretty bold statement. Jesus did not mean God is withholding his forgiveness from you if you don't forgive your spouse. He embraces you in your pain and freely showers you with forgiveness and grace in Christ. He is saying that you cannot experience peace in the present or intimacy in a future relationship if you don't forgive your spouse. Forgiveness does not mean forgetting the betrayal. That never goes away. In extreme cases of abuse, it may mean not associating with the ex-spouse. Forgiveness does mean 
letting go of anger, letting go of the desire to see your spouse suffer, and letting go of the expectation that your spouse owes you an apology or remorse. Lee Lovell is a great member of our church family. He was our property manager for seven years and now has a job closer to his home in Eva Beach, and I'm glad he doesn't have to face that traffic on a day-to-day basis. Before moving to Hawaii from Tennessee, Lee was married for 18 years before he discovered that his ex-wife had been unfaithful. He remained married for another seven years, partly for the kids, partly to try to honor his commitments to the marriage until he found more infidelities surfacing, and eventually the marriage completely fell apart. He went through a three-year season of trying to forgive, letting go of the hurt, and begin to heal. He has been happily married to his current wife, Kim, for the last 11 years, and you might know Kim as being part of our worship team. This is a summary of what he said in reflecting upon his recovery from hurt, unforgiveness, and divorce. This is what he said. I wanted to hurt my wife to let her know how much she had hurt me. I gave her scriptures to let her know how wrong she was. I also felt I had a hundred pound weight on my shoulders as I obsessed about how to get back at her. I carried that weight for 10 years. One of the hardest things was letting go of anger and regaining control of my emotions. He went on to explain that after the divorce, he was encouraged by his divorce care group to call his ex-wife to simply say, I forgive you, without reference to anything specific, without explanation, without any details. He said he didn't feel like doing it, but he made the call. He said after the call, he didn't feel any different. He still felt the sting of anger. He went on to say that about a week later, he experienced an unexplainable peace which helped him to move past the anger. He found himself talking less and less about what his ex-wife had done. He went from a 10-year season of anger in which he was incessantly thinking, you owe me, to a season of freedom where he was able to say, I forgive you. It was at this point that he was able to move into a healthy relationship with Kim and rebuild the trust and intimacy that had been fractured by the betrayal of their former spouses. He and Kim both have been involved in leading divorce care groups and often help people understand that if they are still angry and talking about their ex-spouse, they have not yet reached the point of forgiveness and cannot experience intimacy in a future relationship. Let me repeat what Jesus said in Matthew 6. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Jesus did not mean that God is withholding his forgiveness from you if you don't forgive your spouse. He embraces you in your pain and freely showers you with forgiveness and grace in Christ. 
He is saying that you cannot experience peace in the present or intimacy in a future relationship if you don't forgive your spouse. So recovering well from divorce involves keeping your heart soft by forgiving your spouse. Recovering from divorce well involves keeping your heart soft by reflecting on your contributions to the breakup. Jesus said in Luke chapter 7, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Because we are sinners, we are imperfect, broken, and we are rarely fault-free. In this passage, Jesus is addressing the bent of our sin nature to think that we are right all the time and to justify our discontent or anger, especially when we have been wronged. He also challenges us to evaluate our own attitudes and actions before judging the attitudes and actions of others. Every couple that I interviewed for this message gave me this common response. After dealing with their disillusionment, hurt, and anger, they came to the realization that they needed to consider what part they might have contributed to the fracture of their marriage. These are men and women who we consider good leaders, worthy role models, and faithful members in our church today. Here are some of their comments. From a husband who had been married for eight and a half years before discovering his wife had been unfaithful. They separated for two and a half years, going through counseling, trying to make it work before the divorce was finalized. And this is what he said. I realized I, real, I wasn't perfect. There are things I could have done better. Part of my recovery was asking myself, what steps do I need to take to become more mature, to be a better communicator, to be less restrictive with money? I came to the realization that I didn't invest in our relationship enough. In hindsight, I was too involved in my work, and our relationship was in a slow decline until there was little left. This husband did the hard work of self-evaluation and has been healthily remarried for the past 27 years. From a husband who had been married for 18 years before discovering his wife had been unfaithful, and his current wife, who had been married for nine years before discovering her husband had been unfaithful prior to their respective divorces. So both of these current husband and wife were the dumpies in this situation. Here's what the husband had to say. I had to consider all the wrong things I did in my previous marriage to avoid the same mistakes in my current marriage. Attending marriage seminars, small groups, and counseling helped me to come to grips with what I had done wrong. Here's what his wife had to say. 
I had to recognize that everyone brings baggage into a relationship. I had to identify and face my own baggage so that I could understand how it affected my past marriage and how it could affect my current marriage. Here's a comment from a husband who had been married for 19 years before his wife left him for another relationship. Here are his comments. He said, my wife's unfaithfulness helped me to come to my senses. After the shock of realizing that she had left me for another man, I realized that I was living an immature life. I had to grow up. The pain forced me to seek God. I began seriously reading my Bible and going to church. I began making amends to those in my past who I had hurt or betrayed. In doing so, I experienced God's forgiveness. It was a huge, uplifting experience. Experiencing God's forgiveness gave me the peace and patience to wait for my wife to return. I earnestly meant what I said to her for the 10 years that she was away from me. Come home. All is forgiven. I will not hold anything against you. This husband did the hard work of self-reflection and kept his heart soft and open to God's grace and forgiveness. Now, Lydia is going to read a journal entry from his wife that she wrote seven years into this 10-year season while she was in relationship with another man. So this is a copy of her journal. I know the, it's hard to read, but Lydia will read it, and maybe you can listen to her words through Lydia's voice. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, please deliver me from all my sins. All my sins prevent me from seeing right from wrong, Lord. I need you so much at this time. Hear my prayers, Lord. Help me to move forth with my chosen life with my husband and family. Lord, show me the way without pain and suffering for those who are innocent. Lord, continue to bless my children and my family. Bless also all the precious people from Kaimaki Christian Church. Lord, I am trusting you that all will be well. I am the worst sinner. I continue to sin even when I know what is right and what is not. Lord, give me, please give me strength and wisdom in all this domestic mess I have gotten myself into. I need you. I want your light to shine before me. She says, I am the worst sinner I continue to sin even when I know what is right and what is not. Lord, please give me the strength and wisdom in all this domestic mess I have gotten myself into. I need you. I want your light to shine before me. Although in the midst of sin, this wife's heart was, was soft. She yearned to be right with God, with her husband, and with her family. Can you hear it in her words? It took her another three years after this was written for her to finally leave that sinful relationship to be restored to her husband. This journal entry was written about 20 years ago, and this couple is still married today and experiencing a marriage that is rich in Christ. 
Isn't it remarkable that in the midst of sin, this wife was able to keep her heart soft? I believe she was really praying the prayer of David from Psalms 139, verses 23 and 24, which says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Whether you are the dumper or the dumpy, recovering from divorce well involves keeping your heart soft by reflecting on your contributions to the breakup. God honors a soft and repentant heart. So recovering from divorce well involves forgiving your spouse. It involves reflecting on your own contributions to the breakup. And third, recovering from divorce well involves keeping your heart soft by restoring yourself to God's vision for marriage. Fractures in marriage often occur when one or both spouses feel that their expectations are not being met. Their expectations are often based on an idealized understanding of marriage, that it will involve romance, having the other person meet their needs, buying a house, going on vacations, having fun with kids. These are great things worth investing in. In fact, Lydia and I have put a fair amount of energy into that retirement IRA. But this is fundamentally not God's vision for marriage. Many people enter marriage with the idea that their spouse will fulfill them, that he or she will make them whole. When this doesn't happen, disappointments emerge. Each begin to justify their positions. They stop listening to each other. Hearts get hard. Conversations either spoken or unspoken often sound like this. You did not deliver. You owe me. Frustrations occur because this was not God's intent for marriage. His intent for marriage was not to half persons coming together to form a whole person. His design for marriage was two whole persons joining together to serve each other. His intent was that each person would be complete in themselves so they would not expect so much of their fulfillment to come from the other person or from material things. Their fulfillment would come primarily from God. Now look at that passage again in your bulletin from Matthew 19 and look again in verse 8 where Jesus said, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts, but it was not what God had originally intended. So let's look at what God's original intent was. Let's go way back to Genesis and look at uh, Genesis chapter 2, verses 24 and 25, where the Bible says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. They felt no shame because they were complete. They were whole. They were open in their relationship with God, 
and they were at peace with themselves. They did not bring emotional baggage into the relationship and were free to serve each other and not themselves. This is God's vision for marriage. If you are whole, you can be content to be single for a season. You don't desperately need another person to feel complete. A season of singleness can be the opportunity to heal from past issues and to become whole. God did say it is not good for man to be alone, and it is good to have a husband or a wife as a life's partner in marriage. But he designed that marriage to be baggage-free, shame-free, and centered on serving each other. We sang a song earlier uh, on the Holy Spirit where the words are, where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone in your presence, Lord. It's when we make Christ the center of our own relationship, then we become free. Our shame is undone and we get to be whole and to serve each other. As I mentioned, my wife Lydia, after being married five years, experienced a devastating divorce which sent her reeling and looking for answers. Why me? It sent her to this church. She found Christ and developed her faith. And over time, she became content in Christ. She was brokenhearted when she started, but she found her contentment in Christ. And so when I met her, she told me, I don't need you. I don't need to be married. <laughs> uh, for us guys, that's a little uh, concerning because we like to be in control. We want our wives to need us. But when I got married to Lydia, I knew that she did not need me and that I could not expect her to fulfill all my emotional needs. And I had to ask myself, am I willing to get married on that basis? thought about it a lot, and I said yes. That decision, I believe, allowed us to experience a wonderful, peaceful marriage over 32 years, one that is very intimate. And I cannot express to you how good it has been. But if we go back and look at that whole idea of being whole and not expecting so much to be fulfilled through the other person. It is not inappropriate to desire marriage to be filled with romance, to have a nice house, to be prosperous, to have great vacations, and to live happily ever after. Lydia and I, like, I we like that plan. However, when this vision for marriage becomes more important than God's vision for marriage, we can make it an idol and we can often miss the intimacy, the shame-free and baggage-free marriage that he intended. Jonah chapter 2, verse 8 says this, Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. If we cling to, if we are only satisfied with the vision of a romance-filled prosperity-filled, vacation-filled marriage, we will often be disappointed, dissatisfied, and we will often miss the intimacy that God intended, and our hearts will often get hard. Our hearts remain soft if we restore ourselves to God's vision 
from marriage. So recovering from divorce well involves keeping your heart soft by forgiving your spouse, by reflecting on your contributions to the breakup, and restoring yourself to God's vision for marriage. Now at this point, you're probably thinking what the disciples were thinking when Jesus brought out his flip chart, outlined marriage, and identified a hard heart as the cause. Look at verse 10 in that passage in Matthew 19 where the disciples said, if this is the case, it is better not to marry. Let me paraphrase their response. They were saying, whoa, this is way beyond my ability. If this is what it takes to be married or remarried well, I don't know if I can do that. Jesus never intended for us to do life, marriage, or remarriage in our own strength. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Letting Jesus enable you to forgive, to take responsibility for your own contributions, and to accept his vision for marriage and life will allow you to live well and to recover well. Now, you may be here this morning, and maybe you've already gone through a really horrific divorce. Let me encourage you to take these principles and apply them so that you can recover well, so you have the hope of having a next marriage that is rich, intimate, and forever. Now, you may be married here, and your marriage is okay. You know, it's got some bumps, and, and um, that's life, isn't it? But let me encourage you to go back to scriptures, because without being intentional about it, our hearts can get hard, and eventually we can get to the place of saying, I'm not sure if I want to continue in this. If you're in that place, let me encourage you to take a pause and to just stand before the Lord and just say, Lord, help me to forgive. Help me to reflect and accept my own contributions. And help me to go back to your vision for marriage. You may be single, not yet married. Let me encourage you to consider this to begin practicing these principles now. Because it will help you experience a shame-free, baggage-free, intimate marriage at some point in the future. Would you join with me in prayer? Uh, Father, we confess that we often come just uh, because life gets so busy that our hearts get hard. But your design for us was to experience life in its fullness, where our hearts are free, our shame is undone, and that's where we want to be, Lord. So we just pray that you would allow us through your Holy Spirit to work through these principles and live them out so that we could experience peace and intimacy and bring you glory. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.